0: Head to MikeReinald.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we talk about if we can really change someone's posture, what we do with anterior hip pain when somebody has pain with hip extension, and how we decide if an athlete should stop playing their sport. The Ask Mike Reinold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, form better. Welcome back, everybody! to The latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds show. I'm up here at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here with Lenny McCrina, Dave Tilley, Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto. We have two awesome new physical therapy students to introduce today. Um, you got, John's been here a couple weeks. Brooks has been here one week, but already making a big impact. These guys, these guys are doing a good job. First episode of questions to ask. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes um i don't know we'll see let's, let's i, I want to see what you guys have for the nicknames because i don't have good nicknames right now so have, so we'll go into order of uh, seniority here we had the totem pole here but john larue from clarkson university in new york the state of new york right and his nickname so john larue and the nickname larue is on fire john larue is on fire what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> How is it's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will get John. It's gonna be
1: tough. So, hey, Larue is on fire. Come here, I need you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a tough. Nickname Larue yet. is
2: also pop. another like pop star. She had sung Bulletproof, so we could go with that one. Oh, you're yeah. so trendy.
0: I, you. I don't even know what you're talking. About. <laughs> All right, John Larue, Larue from Clarkson University. Brooks by. Klein from UNLV. <gasps> right. What's uh? Um, Brooksby Village, the best retirement home in the North Shore. <laughs> No, sure. All right, Dave's fired from the yep. nickname game. You, I, <laughs> Dave's <laughs> had too much <laughs> coffee. You're going to tweet it, pinpointed it one Village. square mile. Yeah, we just it. got Brooksby Village so many <laughs> places. Brooks, Calvin Klein uh, from UNLV are, are here. We're going to ask some awesome awesome questions. Who's first? I'll take you. All right, LaRue, you're on fire, buddy. What do we got? All
2: right, Sweet. so first question is from uh, Tom from Atlanta. Mike, I'm a current PT student. We see so many patients with poor posture, which affects how the patient functions in a variety of ways. We are taught to address posture
0: first. How realistic is it for the patient to physically correct their static posture? Love it. All right, posture. This is actually probably a big question. I feel like we could talk like this for an hour, so. Who wants to start? Like, can can we affect posture? Can, Can our treatments, our manual therapy, our exercises affect posture? Why don't we start with do we think it can, and then maybe talk about how or have
3: not I will try
2: <laughs> yes so I think the short answer is it can if the patient follows up with stuff so like just expecting one session of manual therapy or exercise to be like turn you into like amazing is not going to be probably realistic but if people are it's education and like consulting is more important it's like being aware of the fact that If you, as you had written in an article, if you sit for seven hours, you should reverse your posture and do something that's the opposite. If you stand all day because you're a strength coach, you should probably do something to reverse your posture the other way. I think it's much more about the education we give someone to be variable in their positions than it is like working on their lats and sit straight up. And I think that we're finding that there is no perfect posture. As Stu McGill says, the best position for your back is a
0: variable one, not a, you know, Probably two ways we could probably define posture for a question like this too is like, I mean you get you can have long term chronic adaptations but also some short term things, right? Like if my neck was really sore, I might come in with my with my arm up, kinda like protecting my shoulder or you know, contracting some tone in my upper trap or something like that. You can have a dramatic impact on their short term posture work on that but chronic adaptations is you know is the interesting question i mean yeah you know, look at some other professions like massage therapy like not to pinpoint one or anything but massage therapy tends to put a lot of focus on posture and i mean i think they help people right so i mean i think it's i don't know if it's best to say like ah you can't fix posture i think you just have to understand you know what that is but
3: what do you guys do any other any thought? i mean i got some more oh, thoughts but i'll sure. let you guys talk i think it really depends on the individual too i think um Maybe a little bit more in the strength conditioning and maybe massage world. Um, and I think in the general public, I think posture is something that people understand is enormous cause of pain, right? And I think what you'll find as you start looking through a lot of the medical literature is that it doesn't really correlate as, as nicely as we may have thought. Like you can find some research that shows like anterior pelvic tilt is correlated with low back pain. You can find something that doesn't, right, I think. Because I actually looked through some of the literature in the, uh, in the past few months because I was pretty curious. Um, for the shoulder, it seems like posture is maybe not as important. Think, but still probably pretty important in the neck and the low back, based on the research that I read. Right, um, so it's one of those things where I think that the uh, therapist has to think about whether or not posture is actually a problem. Right, and for that individual, you'd have to. have Individual catered approach, right? So someone like who has thoracic outlet syndrome will just throw out an intervention. I could definitely see how positioning the shoulder blades are important, and you might have someone out there saying like, "Oh, the position of the shoulder blades not important for anything," right? I've Read this research article. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, I think it's just important that you use your brain and use critical <laughs> reasoning skills and question, you know, the person in front of you, and, and just make sure the interver- intervention is is important for that person and, and helps them. Yeah,
0: that makes. So. I, I mean, I think I think that's good too, and I think like I think everybody wants to talk about posture and say, "Well, posture." can limit uh, overhead reach or and limit stuff like that. Static posture itself is fairly irrelevant by itself in my mind, right? But if your static posture correlates to your functional movement deficits, mm. then I think you could kind of argue that a little bit more. If I sit like this all day, right, and I'm literally, this is my posture sitting, but then I can touch my toes, I can do a deep squat, then what's cares about my posture, right? Because for whatever reason, I have the uh, the dynamic ability. So, um, I mean, if you're spending that much time staring at posture and trying to fix posture, I think you really got to correlate it. Do you have, like, movement deficits, right? And I think movement deficits are probably more important than static posture. Assets. And symptoms. And, and, and symptoms, yeah. right, yeah. I mean, do you have symptoms with, with certain things? Do it, Does a postural position cause symptoms? Do you have an increase in, in um, you know, pain when you sit? right? Then, okay, then maybe you should work on some, some of your postural changes from, from sitting, but um, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I've looked at it, I mean, I, you could, like, say you do soft tissue on something that, like, appears tight, I mean, I think, okay, I mean, you, you may have some transient changes and stuff, but there's no question to me if you actually look and you have somebody that takes care of themselves, that does self-myofascial release, that does uh, variable movements, right? Always trying to change the posture. We call it reverse posturing, right? Like, I sit all day, so I'm going to do extension-based stuff, and then more importantly, probably put a layer of strength on top of that right I, man I don't know I we see it all the time it takes time right but like if, if you sit all day and then you get in the gym and you work on like you know posterior chain posterior dominant exercises there's definitely a big impact on, on how those people kind of look posturally but more importantly how they move dynamically mm-hmm. right so uh, anything else
1: we're overcoming a societal belief that posture affects your pain so schools are still presenting it to students so to try to, when somebody comes to us, there's a, like I said, society is still dictating, still dictating that this is going to directly cause pain. So we have to overcome that and educate.
0: Awesome, nice. All right, next question. Let's let's do this, Calvin. Next up, Jeff okay, from
1: St. Louis. Can you mention some causes of anterior hip pain when going into hip extension and some ways to treat it? Fyi, dealing with a
2: baseball pitcher's push off leg.
0: All right, so rear leg in a baseball pitcher, butt. all right, anterior hip pain during hip extension. What do you think, Dave? Your world has a lot of this. Dan, you deal with a ton of this. Yeah, I'll, I'll give my quick thoughts, and then I know that Dan just recently sent me an
2: article that kind of looked at some of these concepts. So sweet. Um, at a baseline level, the the work that I think I'm kind of deep into with the hip is in parallel to what you guys have done with you know James Andrews and Kevin and stuff like that. But it's the socket is slightly different, right? It's deeper in the hip, which means that the the shoulder will slide out, the hip will not, right? So what they're thinking in some of the medical literature from um, Dr. No and Dr. Bird is that instead of somebody just sliding out in a direction, so think about if you're extending your hip, you're gonna run out of room between the femoral neck and the posterior lateral acetabular wall eventually, right? Whether you're a gymnast and it's super more range of motion or you're a baseball player and pushing off, you might hit your femoral neck on the lateral wall And as a result, it fulcrums, they think, it fulcrums out. So, like, if I'm running and I put my leg back, I hit my wall, I may tip out the front slightly, right? And I think there's some really interesting research showing that, um, you know, the iliofemoral ligament has two bands, medial and lateral, that directly overlie the femoral head. And then you have the psoas and some adductors that work as flexors to essentially prevent that from happening. So we see people who over years of pushing off or maybe not training the best sprint mechanics or things of that nature will start overloading their static stability and then they start going through their labrum and then their psoas blows up because they're trying to contain the femoral head or their adductors try to contain the femoral head so i personally think that people have a double-edged sword where end range flexion with squatting the strength conditioning that maybe they're not ready for it's not fit for their anatomy may predispose some pinching and then you have somebody who also will sprint and have it happen the other way. So I think the extreme ranges of motion are kind of what we're finding is provocative because of the the difference in acetabular shape being deeper. So they so treatment
0: and, and a little anterior instability, right? Would be one. And then treatment, yeah. and just get them super strong and probably avoid. Excessive hyper, right? Hyper extension, you're going too Lean far forward in yeah. your sprint mechanics. Maybe try yeah. to do some med ball stuff and retrain how to push off your back. Get out of hyper right. extension a little bit, right? Yeah. So you don't
2: fulcrum And, and, and yeah. less is more yeah. with soft tissue work. If it's
3: overload. overloaded, don't go nuts. It's like provocative. What do you got, Dan? I was gonna say some of the same thing. I think it's the, uh, the extension, the external rotation is probably gonna be forcing that ball forward so it gets some instability because of that. Um, where we see it a little bit, we see it a lot of complaints in sumo deadlift when they finish their pull because you're externally rotated and then you're extending. And I think for some people, the the hips just don't like that position. They're getting increased stress coming anteriorly, and they have kind of that same pinching sensation that sometimes people have in the bottom of the squat as well. Um, So initially, I think it's probably good, just like you said, to unload it and then slowly start to progress the range of motion first, and then over time, making sure that your volume is adequate so that you're not tearing up your hips and just doing too much work in general.
0: Right, and you know this particular person too, if it's a baseball pitcher with lead leg I mean it's not, you know it's, you get a decent amount of hip extension during lead leg so I think that, that kind of matters to all this um, I mean, What do you guys think? Mike, Len anything else like anterior hip? I mean th- there's some other classic stuff like as type stuff or even you know, FAI based things but I don't know, do those don't really do, do those happen with hip extension though? It's kind of more flexion based, right? I think only for the mechanism of Eccentric overload. Yeah,
1: I think it would be eccentric overload. And I think he would, the question is about baseball, which we've alluded to, but I think, <coughs> keeping in mind, if he's a baseball player and a gymnast, they oftentimes are hypermobile if they're decent, oh, they're did both sports. I was like, no, no, <laughs> no, that's no. rare. No, no, no. Unless you're <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah. Dave sees us a lot. You have but, to meet a
0: gymnast that has good throwing mechanics.
1: <laughs> <I don't laughs> see my Instagram story daily. Um, <laughs> But if they have they relatively hypermobile, now they're really relying on their dynamic stabilizers, as like the shoulder in the hip as well, to try to keep that ball within the socket. So if they have that that fulcrum that he alluded to, then you got soas and other soft tissue around the joint trying to grab on to prevent a relative what would be a subluxation or excessive mobility. So you know, I'm not surprised it's baseball. So now what are we gonna do? We got to maybe change mechanics. We get to look at posterior dominant, uh, posterior chain um, uh, strengthening. Um, calm down the psoas, maybe he's yeah. relatively anteriorly tilted uh, something like that i don't know i don't know the, the whole and, presentation and, and get
2: them you know in a mistake you know, i'm sorry go ahead okay go ahead, sorry i was gonna say a mistake i made building off what you just said is that i used to think oh anterior hip pain so as let's go nuts and i made people so much worse i promise i've seen a lot of gymnasts right. and other people You're who the other way. just get you know <coughs> soft tissue work blasted or they lay in a kettlebell <coughs> certain people right it's crazy to do that Right? because you don't know how many layers behind the psoas are provocative.
0: Does anyone know who you're alluding to right now? They okay. do.
4: Oh, okay, good. I'll see that. Up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would just say, like, you guys all kind of touched on it, but you really have to assess and kind of figure out what you think is going on, whether it's bony anatomy, um, static stabilizers, muscles. Like You need to kind of narrow that down because it seems like
0: the treatment varies depending right. on, on what's going on. So good That's diagnosis. I good feel doctors. like a lot of people will assume if it's anterior hip pain that it's psoas, for example. So right. like Mike saying, good, I, I like that. You know, give, Get a good diagnosis, get a good evaluation process, don't just assume. Because
3: that is an area you'd probably assume things on and, and maybe get in trouble. I too. couldn't tell you how many uh, doctors sent me a note said hip flexor strain and it's really some sort of impingement going on. So right, the treatments are very different. Doctors. Well, doctors are good. I'm sorry, I love <laughs> well, doctors. Doctors. <laughs> a great gift.
0: <episode>. Doctors. Yeah. <laughs> doctors. LaRue is on is on fire. We got to order it. next episode. We're gonna. I think I, it's your delivery is the <laughs> problem. Everyone's challenged to have better nicknames next episode. LaRue is on fire. What's next? All right. <laughs> Billy from Connecticut. Love the show. What factors do you consider when deciding whether or not it is necessary to remove an athlete from sport to be successful with rehab? Ooh, this is off, oh, man. Just, uh, these uh, are. Not sure not what the question was. I should have spread. <laughs> the, I should have spread these questions. These are good questions there. So. How how do you know so you know in the physical therapy scene or I guess even if you're a strength coach, athletic trainer, whatever it may be, but how how do you know when the person needs to essentially abstain from sport, right? How do you know like what you should play through and not play through? But Len, we deal with this all yeah, this the time in baseball. Guys, you yeah. want to you want to start I mean, this off?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's really getting in your in the athlete's head, and, and they have to understand what their normal day-to-day pain is. Baseball players are just always in pain. So you gotta figure out is this something different? Is this a different spot? Is there something different happened? Did you pitch more than normal? Um, what's the where are we in the season? Um, where are we in a contract potentially? There's so many different variables to consider but has the pain changed is it not your normal soreness that you felt every day of your baseball career is it something new is it a sharper pain is it uh, is it now some kind of ridiculous type stuff going on is there something different that we can to, to try to justify you pulling you out for a period of time and what are, what are the implications if we did pull you out that's going to play a huge <laughs> role too like if you come out of the game and somebody replaces you What's that status then that you're going to be able
0: to get back in? So, so Mike, mid, mid-summer, right? You're golfing. All you want to do is golf, and they come see you with back pain, and you say, like, I think you should take some time off for golf, and then they fire you <laughs> and, go, and go see another therapist that that tells them that they can still golf. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, I, I mean, what do you do? I mean, when do you tell them you can't golf? I think you really, really, and Lenny said, you have to
4: get into their belief system with this. Like, if, if golf is the most important thing going on in the summer, um, and they, they have some discomfort in their back while golfing, but golf is super important to them. I think if they're just a recreational golfer, I think it's okay to find a strategy to, to continue to let them play golf if it's not making their
0: symptoms dramatically worse. So so a different strategy, like, like having them alter their swing or play at a lower percentage effort or something? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I think, I
4: think it's okay to... Maybe give them some strategies to change their swing a little bit. Um, I don't know if, if that's necessarily the number one way I would go. I'd probably modify the um, the volume that they're playing. Say they're playing five times a week. I say, okay, let's play once or twice a week to start, see how it goes, um, and kind of give them a gradual return. Um, and it obviously will vary case to case. Like some people, um, you may recommend you know not playing golf, but I, I would say – if you think that they're gonna really discount everything you say after you tell them they can't play golf, I think that's it's kind of a you know, I don't know. It is is multifactorial, it's Yeah, tricky. you got you,
0: you got to put it together. And I mean.
4: there's, there's their performance? <coughs> there's obviously their performance is affected? Is, yeah. is
1: their fastball less? Are they giving them more home runs? Are they are they shanking the ball more? Yeah. Or, you know, it's gonna be an obvious, hopefully an obvious uh, justification where you can like let the athlete. Realize that it may be time to yeah. pull back a little and you know and crossfit as well You guys see it all the time gymnastics. It's it's these overloaded sports where you just keep playing volume 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 Catches up and then you can figure out like what happened retrospectively Did we train enough what would what we be doing training in the offseason the preseason? What are we doing now for maintenance stuff? There's always something missing in their program We get a ton of kids that come to us in the middle of the summertime dying that because they're not getting the, the arm kit, they're not getting the maintenance on their shoulder, and then you give them a little love, and now their performance goes up. So I think there's so many different variables that you can
0: affect. I always try to explain to everybody that. My job is to either keep you on the field or get you out there as fast as I can. But sometimes it just comes down to what's in your best interest. And a lot of times athletes are thinking short term, I just want to play today, I just want to play today. And I think one of the things we do really well here is we kind of help them understand the long term implications, right? You're a sophomore in high school, and you're getting ready for the baseball season, and you're a little sore. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know how important your sophomore year or high school season is to your chances of playing in college or even maybe getting drafted. Right? We may say, like, let's be a little conservative. You know, we still have the summer. You know, let's focus on junior year, whatever it may be. I mean, there's so many ways that we have to put it in. I think we're like the the rational outsiders that can kind of have the common sense and, and kind of put that into play too, as well, because it's not just physical, right? I mean, there's going to be an obvious person. Somebody comes to you, they're a, ham- they have a hamstring strain. It's black and blue and they have no range of motion and strength okay no brainer they can't play right but we're talking about the people that are in pain here and look we always say like mike said adjust the volume like you're not gonna you're not gonna like blow out necessarily if it's you don't have structural pathology let's just see what you can handle if you're making progress then great we can adjust the load in a positive way if you're setting yourself back or kind of like, you know, staying in neutral, then maybe we're just doing too much, right? And I think that's how I would kind of put it together. So It's almost like (coughs) Lenny
4: talked about the expectations of if they come out of the game, is someone going to take their spot? But if they stay in the game, are they going to get seriously injured or – Going to cause further harm?
0: Like, are you comfortable allowing yeah. it? Like risk reward. Yeah. And exactly. sometimes, some look, it's game seven of the World Series. Sometimes you take yeah. that risk, right? Or you have the most important showcase in the world this, this weekend to get into this D1 college that you've been shooting for. Maybe you're willing to accept that risk. Or maybe there's another showcase in a month. And we'll talk you out of going into this one because the last thing you want to do is go to a showcase at 80% of, of you and show everybody that you stink. Mm-hmm. Because now on your resume it shows that you you aren't good at your sport, right? Because they don't know you're injured if you're trying to hide it. So uh, it's good. You know lot, lot, lots of good factors. I think that's, you know, I think that's a good good play to kinda of answer it, but Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Another great episode. We appreciate everything. Head to MikeRynell.com. Click on that podcast link. Ask us questions. Go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe us, subscribe to us on Spotify now, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRynell.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify,